warning, warning, two idiots are reading SCP files, but not over an intercom, because Tanhony Tower got destroyed like 40 episodes ago. Hello and welcome back to Discovering SCP. It's been a while, longer than usual. No, it hasn't. It's been shorter than usual. That's, that's that classic Tanhony humor that you all been looking forward to these last couple of days, I bet. That classic Tanhony humor where he gaslights and lies to you. Hey. This is episode one, right? You don't... You what? You remember other episodes? Wait, <laughs> Isn't that kind of podcast crazy? Podcast? Bird that eats the world? What the hell are you on about? What are you talking about? Are you? What's wrong with you? You freak. Yeah, we just we just started this podcast after our, uh, finishing our successful Among Us. We're in a Discord call right now. Say something, I'll respond. I hate that you said that. <laughs> oh, I thought it was funny. I'm going to kill you for that. Especially because this isn't a Discord call and we're all in the same room. I'm picking up a knife. (laughs) Tanhoney, how has your last few days been? They've been great. Absolutely fantastic. I'm once again an SCP superstar. The community has, as I I always knew it would, turned around on Among Us. They love Among Us now. I I love Tanhoney because he was literally just as confident even when everyone was being mean to him. He was like, I'm still like the best writer. And the number five best writer. I'm the number five best writer. Let's not be. Uh, let's not. Wait, be I thought you were like six. Wait, what the fuck? I'm number five now. You, you, you just keep going, like in upvotes or in articles posted. Upvotes. I just keep moving Shit. forward Oop. until my enemies are destroyed. You kind of are an SCP superstar. I mean, not to stroke your ego any higher than it could possibly be, but you know uh, who's ahead of you aside from cactus um, who are the other other four three demon generals that is sorry fodder I want to know their names don't don't, don't, don't worry about it don't worry about it top upvoted SCP authors okay oh god this is top rated pages no author with oh oh okay um, well, I have just been informed that Tan has eliminated all three of the other people. Exactly, I'm number one here. now. Oh, you, mean, you thought I was number two? Uh, Cactus, we went on a wild goose chase to the Himalayas. Yeah. <laughs> he will be back for quite okay. a while. So, how um, many SCPs do we have today? And how many SCPs? None! No SCPs! We don't do SCPs on this podcast. Not tales either. GOI formats and a very specific GOI format as well. Dude, Remember? there is there is one guy who's been waiting for this for over a year. <laughs> exactly. Wait. I don't know whether this is what they had in mind, but we're going to be looking into Parawatch. Oh, I love Parawatch. That's my favorite uh, board to go on. Yeah. It uh, is. Don't don't go to don't go to Parawatch poll though. Don't go to Parawatch at three AM. <laughs> Calling Parawatch admin at 3 a.m. challenge? So we're going to start. We're going to have a proper look at the GOI Parawatch and some of the Parawatch. So how the fuck does this walk? Are there like a series of... Okay, so there's a series of stories about Parawatch you're going to read me, not like a hub page? Well, we're going to start with a hub page. Because some... There's like a okay, so give me... Drop me that sick fat link. This is the Parawatch And this was... Hub. Hippo said he... Hippo wrote a lot of Parawatch shit, or he, someone he knew did write? Uh, Hippo wrote some, some of the first Parawatch stuff, though. Yeah, he didn't start it, but he wrote like the bulk of the, like, nice. the, 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 the ignition on the dynamite. <laughs> Wait, I'm looking at articles, and I see there's one with you listed under it when I go to the articles tab, Tanhoney. Yeah, we're, the not, first ones there. we're not reading the SCPs before. 
Oh, sorry. Okay, GOI dossier Parawatch. All right. <clears throat> Let's get into it. This hub is by Matt Voltaic. Wait, this is this is my first time seeing a. Oh, good job, Matt. Matt. Oh fuck. Matt. I, I talked in the middle of the name. Matt Voltaic. Nat Voltaic. Sorry. Um. Uh. I want to say I think this is the first like hub page you've ever let me read, not counting like the hub page for the SCP Wiki itself, which we read in episode one. <laughs> so. Yeah, let's uh, spin me off. Group of Interest, Parawatch Wiki, Database ID 1109. Area of Operations, North America, Europe, Online Sites. Threat Level Green. So that's not very friendly. Is green like low threat level? Okay, good. Overview. The Parawatch Wiki is an online web forum of conspiracy theorists, paranormal enthusiasts, and amateur writers operating with the intent of investigating and exposing anomalous phenomena. Geographic- it's made up of people who, like, when they send out a tweet, it gets the, like, this may have false information thing on it. Yeah. <laughs> Geographically, the group is disparate, with its users primarily hailing from North America and Europe. No common background exists. Age, careers, and other demographics vary. The group's operations are mainly in the form of compiling stories on the forum, detailing encounters with paranormal phenomena, historical cases, and any unusual events users have experienced. While moderation has enabled a loose degree of coordination, further efforts are hindered by the sheer spread of the user base. Any impact the site could have is limited. Several clusters of members are noted to collaborate in exploring forested regions of the United States and Canada, though they are relatively small in comparison to the full group. Oh, online meetups based. Where I want like the wholesome story of like I met my wife on Parawatch. And she was and a now Bigfoot. we're both SCP <laughs> based. Oh man, I, I wonder. Do you know? Have you ever heard those stories of like the crazy hacker team that like hacked the United States website and they like get hired for the CIA? Yeah. Do you think there's ever been like a conspiracy theorist that was so good on here? The foundation's like, all right, you can be a junior researcher. We could use that kind of talent, kid. <laughs> That'd be a funny tale to read. Containment approach minimal. Although Parawatch was heavily investigated in its investigation of anomalous, continuous monitoring has found the group lacks a comprehensive understanding of the foundation's existence. The Veil, which is like the masquerade, and the nature of anomalous phenomena. I love how you call it the masquerade. It makes it sound like fucking VTM. <laughs> Theories posed by the group lack context on actual circumstances, leading to inaccurate beliefs that limit the potential for an information breach. So this is, if I'm understanding right, like I get it's a 4chan parody in general, but this is basically the X board minus all the like more uh, shitty kooky stuff, right? This yeah. Is like in, in nature. Okay. Got it. It's so funny to me because, like, didn't 4chan come from X and then SCP... No, 4chan come from X. Didn't SCP come from X and then it became its own thing? And then it kind of recreated X in a way. That's so weird. Ouroboros. Time is a circle, bro. (laughs) Fuck off. Not everything that is a circle is Ouroboros. This, in combination with obscurity to the general public and doubt towards the truthfulness of their stories, prevents them from being a significant threat to the Veil's stability. As such, Parawatch has been left active as a disinformation measure to hinder and mislead investigations into the existence of the veil. Any leads That's actually kind of based. (laughs) Any leads may be misdirected by foundation implants at their discretion. That's funny to me, because I don't know if you know this, but there's like really crazy conspiracy theorists that believe that the 9-11, like George Bush conspiracy, is solely around to keep people from figuring out what the government really did it for, or what they were really doing or whatever, and they never specify what that is. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the same shit. Recognition of actual circumstances will be met with the deletion of the offending content and the progressive amnestization of the user base. 
No direct actions to be taken at this time. So they're so wrong that it's worth letting them be wrong. <laughs> yeah, because they throw other people off. Mm. And they're just having fun. They do they do a little trolling. Also, you know how like Twitter and other places like the FBI will make fake accounts? You know some poor junior researcher has to have a fake account just to monitor this in case. They have to fucking browse the boards all day. <laughs> So, yeah, that's our uh, intro to the group. That's a little, like, a uh, uh, blur. Yeah. I'm sorry I interrupted a lot, but I just already love this concept so much uh, because I feel like there's so much you can do with it, um, both in terms of, like, actual tales and articles and just in terms of lore fluff. It's a really fun concept. It is. Um, and I'm excited to read more about it because I think we've only done the one article for the Broken Masquerade, and that was just a whole... Uh, that was basically one big thread of everyone being like, Bro! And then it was over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> just, they me doing salt out tail. That's all I remember from it. Bro. Everyone was just like, "No, it's real. SCP is real." So here's all our right, first. So what tale. are we reading next here? Okay. Oh, did you give me a link? Oh yeah, I I thought we were gonna read all these other tabs. Wait, hang on. I should upvote this hub page because this is really well made. Well, might become that tonight, but maybe at the end. But uh, we're gonna leave it. Ab 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 Is that how I pronounce that? Uh, yeah, and this is by the Great Hippo. Nice. Oh, look, it's Imbroglio, like like his other username. Clever. Ah. Ideological Imbroglio at 10.31.18 on a Wednesday at 3.15.40. I'm not going to read all that shit every time. <laughs> the recent disappearance uh, of Basil Ottinger and the subsequent discovery of several lost films in his private collection has reignited cinema's fascination with the revolutionary work of an underground independent filmmaker known as Joseph Helmuth. The reclusive director's fame in cinema circles is I- ironic. Helmuth is best known for not wishing to be known. Only one of his films, Schweigen, 1953, contains an end credit sequence, wherein he thanks my Leben Wolf my dear benefactors. His work was distributed <laughs> privately through Panopticon Pictures. Wait, did, did, this, did this dude in 1953 have a Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. His work, his work was distributed privately through Panopticon Pictures into the company declared bankruptcy in 1962. Hold on, I'm going to turn all my lights out real quick. Yeah, isn't Panopticon a thing? Why does that word sound familiar? Panopticon is a disciplinary concept brought to life in the... Oh, it's that weirdo thing where it's like a tower in a Russian yeah. prison where you can like see all the prisoners. Oh, why why have we heard that now. term before? Did did we read about this before? Or did I just happen to hear about it somewhere else? There's a couple of articles called Panopticons. Maybe you've seen that somewhere. Maybe. I'll go over the lights and I'll just spooky now. His work was distributed okay. privately through Panopticon Pictures until the company declared bankruptcy in 1962. Can you hear my voice? has gotten spookier as well. <laughs> Nearly all no, extant exact were destroyed in a warehouse <laughs> fire. Helmut's work is characterized oh, by sparse structure, emotional isolation, Fascination with negative space, no dialogue, and single extraordinarily long takes. His first film. Oh, he's like cute. He's like Discount Kubrick. His Kino. His first film, <laughs> Nick's in 1951. <laughs> 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 I can't believe you used that word. That's funny to me for some reason. It's a two hour exploration of a dilapidated, abandoned munitions factory. What makes the film remarkable is how it is shot. One single, smooth tracking shot that begins at the entrance, descends several flights of stairs, and ends in a basement. 
given the light. Okay, I know what this article is going for in tone, so so I get like the spookiness of that, but there are way too many filmmakers that think that doing things in one shot makes them like artsy and it just makes the movie look bad. And I just wanted to throw that take out there to the wolves. Okay. Given the lack of identifiable cuts, trucks, or rails, even along the stairs, the movie's release produced endless speculation among cinematographers regarding how this was done. You can tell Tan's done with my interrupting when he's like, all right, I get it. <laughs> Although Nick's is the most conventional film Helmuth produced, it still contains surrealist elements that become hallmarks of his style. The factory's basement is improbably vast, containing far more levels than it should, and includes strange, unidentified machinery. At several points, the camera focuses on objects that are out of place, a pink ribbon, false teeth, a wooden dreidel. Near the 17-minute mark, a silhouette is briefly visible passing by a doorway. All right, wait, wait. I want to make a call. I want to make a call. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is either going to be The Factory or Dr. Wondertainment, but they're not going to realize it. My call. The final shots where the camera explores a pitch-back room lasts for 15 minutes, during which only heavy breathing can be heard. Themes of isolation and emptiness are further elaborated on in Helmuth's fifth film, Doppelganger, 1953. Comprised of a 90-minute-long tracking shot, the video navigates the carnival's Hall of Mirrors, while pursued by a hazy, indistinct figure, visible only in each measure's reflection. The film ends abruptly when the figure appears in front of the camera, obstructing its view. Numerous die-hard Helmuth fans have mapped out the interior of the hall based on the camera's movement, often to discover that the camera often moves through what ought to be a solid mirror. To this day... Alright, hang on. Sorry for interrupting again, just because I'm an idiot. Is this an actual movie maker? Because these sound really interesting. I think this is fictional. (laughs) Yeah, I thought so. But it's very... It's like Hippo said last time we had the Vermilsa suit. This, this has it. Yeah. To this day, vigorous debate continues over how Helmuth achieved this in other effects, such as the absence of the camera's reflection in any one of the hall's hundreds of mirrors. Schuld, 1954, is perhaps the film for which Helmuth is most infamous. It is three hours long and consists of a single fixed shot, four figures burning atop a pyre as a crowd watches from below. Details regarding its screening at a 1965 Oldenburg Film Festival are murky. Viewers expressed distress, anxiety, and physical illness. This allegedly escalated with the audience storming the projection booth and destroying all prints of the film. Helmuth is notorious for being tight-lipped about his work, having never publicly commented on it. However, in 1961, a student attending Mir's Academy uncovered a letter authored by him in the college's archives. The following excerpt, translated from its original German, elaborates on his views regarding the role of the author. <clears throat> what, what, is, what does he mean by role of the author? What say? Death of the author presumes too much. It presumes the author may exist, but this cannot be permitted. The author must be obliterated down to their elemental structure, down to their essence, their very core. No trace of their presence can remain on this earth. The author must cease to be. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dan only slapping Mr. 5000 on as much shit as possible. <laughs> Art can only be understood as an excretion of natural, indeterminable events, a thing that is shaped via a rudderless process, devoid of intent, purpose, or reason. Raindrops falling through a canopy of leaves, apples withering on the branch of a decaying tree, maggots bursting from a dead pigeon's breast. The I'm sorry, th- did you say canopy? No. You mean canopy? Canopy, yeah. Obi-Wan Canopy. The author is more than irrelevant. Their irrelevance is such that to merely mention this irrelevance is to grant them more relevance than they deserve. To say that the author is dead, you must first presume the author was once alive. 
but the author was never alive. The author was never even there. Immediately after the publication of his letter in several film periodicals, Joseph Helmut ceased to respond to all correspondence and phone calls. No one has heard from him since. In 1962, he produced and published his final film, Abrashantite. Oh... See, he he didn't want to be like revealed. That's why he never like commented. But people revealed his thoughts, so now he's gone. All, s- all six copies of Abu Shenheit were believed to be lost in the 1962 fire. However, in 1987, a recording of a private viewing was recovered from the home of Basil Ottinger, a prominent art collector obsessed with the study of Helmoth. Although incomplete, it indirectly captures a small portion of the filmmaker's final masterpiece. The footage is several minutes in length and focuses on a television screen on which Abrashenheit is playing. The television's footage is heavily distorted. The audience, out of frame, produces muffled sobs. Ottinger repeatedly apologises. As the film draws to its conclusion, the audience becomes increasingly distressed. One member starts to pray. Ottinger begs for it to stop. A hand descends in front of the camera, obstructing its view of the television. The recording abruptly ends. Investigations into Basil Ottinger's disappearance and the location of the final fabled surviving print of Abroshenheit have turned up no results. However, it is notable that the footage of Ottinger's viewing was recorded with Kodak 5247, Joseph Helmut's preferred film stock. Oh, so his final movie was a, a movie of people being sad about his final movie. Dude, that's some art bullshit. <laughs> that's some fucking that's some fucking art school shit right there. Also, why does this have a creepy pasta? Because it's a creepy. <laughs> is that just like the name for spooky stores? Okay. Okay. Cool. 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 Uh, that's getting an upvote from me. I really liked it. It didn't have the goofy tone that I expected from your my introduction to Parawatch that you showed me. This actually had like kind of a really cool tone to it. Like, uh, cause obviously most conspiracy theories are batshit insane, but sometimes, you know, when one's really put, well put together, they're fun to read. Mm. Even if you know they're not real, like they're interesting. And that's kind of the feeling this captured, like going down that rabbit hole. It was really fun. And <laughs> I hate it because like, I asked you in the middle about the guy, I actually wanted to watch these movies now. <laughs> <laughs> so definite upvote for me. I'm going to give that one a 10 out of 10. As always, fucking, of course, Hippo knocks it out of the park. Dude blows my mind. What a good writer. Um, what do you think about it? Is there any particular reason you showed it to me, or was it just like, a, this will be good? It's a good one to open with. Yeah. It definitely gives a vastly different impression of Parawatch compared to the one you showed me, which was like a bunch of hillbillies being like, oh, we were right. <laughs> so kind of kind of neat to have that contrast. Uh, what's next on the docket? So... um we can also call this episode, like, Hippo Part 2, really, but uh, we have next... <laughs> even even when he's not guest-starring, he's still guest-starring. We have uh, Straight to VHS Sunday Dinner by The Great Hippo. This isn't... Are these all by hippos? That is that this episode? Yes. Alright. Ooh, a VHS tape. So another movie one. Interesting. This one... Oh, Cthulhu Hoop! They were in that one you showed me, I think. At least oh. the name sounds familiar. Um, Let's find out what they have yeah. to say. This one was six years before the Helmuth one, uh, chronologically. The premise of a real commercial snuff film has bewitched filmgoers and filmmakers over the years. From urban legends regarding a suicide in the background of The Wizard of Oz, to the campaign of misinformation surrounding the Blair Witch Project, audiences and directors have indirectly conspired to achieve the appearance of an authentic death on tape for decades. Is that... Alright, I'm about to ask a stupid idiot question. 
Is that what a snuff film is? Because that term's thrown around a lot, and it's always one of those things I didn't feel like was good to Google. So I just assumed, like, illegal, but I didn't know if it was just, like, illegal or murder, or if it was, like, you know, A snuff film would be a film in which a person is actually killed on camera for the purposes of the film. Okay. That's, I mean, obviously that's terrible, but that's way less bad than I thought it was. Okay, that makes sense. The irony it's is palpable. Oh, that's so menacing. <laughs> Records of genuine death can be obtained near effortlessly. News outlets provide endless footage of war. Meanwhile, one only needs to crack open a history book to find countless images of execution, mass murder, and senseless violence. But these deaths are presented as informative rather than titillating, detached from the camera's hungry lens. They did not die for our viewing pleasure. The snuff film is more intimate, more voyeuristic. Though it may frame itself as merely instructive, such as the seminal 1978 classic Faces of Death, this contrivance is merely to place our sense of guilt long enough to watch someone die for an enjoyment. And isn't that the whole point? When Hideshi Hino drugs, kidnaps, and dismembers a beautiful woman over several hours in the 1985 Japanese horror film Guinea Pig 2, Flowers of Flesh and Blood, is it not clear that this is for our own gratification? Doesn't the framing of the film, footage taken by the murderer himself, presume the murderer wants us to watch, even participate? The harder it is to distinguish from an authentic murder, the more tantalising it becomes. We soothe our conscience by telling ourselves it's just a movie, or while a tiny voice teases and thrills us with just a whisper. But what if it's not? This zealous dedication to virulence often has a cost. Hideshi Hino has had to demonstrate his special effects to sceptical authorities on multiple occasions, even going as far as explaining them in another film, The Making of Guinea Pig. The director of Cannibal Holocaust, 1980, famously appeared in court with his cast to prove they were not actually dead. Even Faces of Death still receives periodic outcries for the monkey brain scene. The monkey was not harmed. The mallets were foam and the brains were cauliflower. Are, are these all real movies they're comparing? Yeah, yeah. these all fictional as well? Those are all real. Oh, dude, I, I have to look these up later. In 1983, Goldhouse Distributors released Sunday Dinner. The most well-known version is two and a half hours long. It consists of cuts between six different cameras hidden throughout a home. Over the first 45 minutes, we watch a family, a father, mother, two sons and a daughter, having an ordinary Sunday dinner. The grainy, low-quality footage and lack of sound design helps sell it as genuine. Then the footage cuts the attic, messy but seemingly uninhabited. Back to the family, heads bowed. The daughter is saying grace. Back to the attic. Something lurches past the camera. There are no musical (laughs) cues, no shocking sounds, merely the silent intrusion of something that does not belong. The effect of this is stunning on account of how it doesn't try to be. Back to the I, fa- I want to say, I'm sorry, sorry I'm not like popping in as much, but this is like so like interesting to hear. <laughs> I'm just kind of getting it absorbed. Back to the family, enjoying dinner, dinner and chatting about each other's Oh, day. never mind. Immersion broken. Dinner <laughs> moment. We learn one of the boys <laughs> is having trouble at school. Something about a bully. The mother disapproves of violence, but the father wants him to stand up for himself. The other son, desperate to avoid what is likely a recurring marital spat, interrupts by offering his latest scholastic achievement. He got a B-plus on his math exam. The father and mother put the dispute on hold long enough to express their pride. Meanwhile, the daughter complains of a tummy ache. Back to the attic. The figure now paces. We cannot make out his face. It is covered in a crudely stitched burlap sack. It's only now that astute viewers start to identify clues that indicate his prolonged presence. Empty tin cans. A filth-encrusted bucket filled with, presumably, excrement. Piles of clothes used as a bed. <laughs> the shot lingers. Oh, this, is, this is one of those ideas in the horror that like always gets me a little bit. Mm. It's like the idea of someone who's been living there way longer than they should. Because I like 
I've heard way too many stories about this shit that it, like, feels so real compared to, like, you know, a crazy serial killer coming down and, like, hacking you up to pieces with a chainsaw. Like, the idea of someone who's just, like, been living in your attic or basement for years. <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. The shot lingers. For eight minutes, we watch him pace side to side. When he abruptly stops, it almost looks like he's staring up at the camera. Cut back to the family dinner. All of them are now slumped in their chairs or over the table, paralyzed and whimpering. At this Wait, point, what? some shit in the food, man. At this point, the film proceeds much as you would expect. The figure descends, then methodically murders each paralyzed family member. The mother is crushed, bone snapping, when she is forced into the oven, then roasted alive. The father is so they're all they're paralyzed. They didn't die from what they ate, so mm. they're like alive when he's doing this. Yeah. The father is eviscerated, his intestines forced down his throat. Both sons are placed inside the refrigerator, left to experience the agony of asphyxiation via carbon dioxide. The killer notably takes the time to carefully empty the refrigerator's contents before removing the shelves. The daughter is the last... Oh, plans to eat that shit! <laughs> the daughter is the last and most disturbing. This is on account of the paralytic, presumably placing their food, partially wearing off. The audience is subjected to an excruciating extended sequence where she crawls out to the porch, sobbing and screaming for help, only to be dragged back inside by her ankle. 45 minutes later, the film ends. Oh, dude, her death scene was 45 minutes? <laughs> Unsurprisingly, this movie, made available on VHS through Gullhouse Distributor's mail order catalogue, caught the attention of law enforcement. The video was uncredited, and the uh, effects, combined with the grainy low quality footage, was good enough to make it seem too authentic. Compounding the problem was that Goldhouse Distributors, operated entirely by a married couple out of their living room, claimed to receive the film from Crystal Ends Productions, which leads to a later SCP, which we won't read today. A uh, production company that didn't even exist. Goldhouse couldn't prove that the video wasn't real. Was it, though? There were several clues, not the least of which was that no murder like this had been recently reported. The positions of the cameras implied they were not hidden at all. The timing of the killer's movements, and that brief glance of the audience, suggested a director's hand. The daughter's complaint of a tummy ache sounded like foreshadowing. The mother's death, while shockingly graphic, had the killer obstructing our view at several key points, points where she could have swapped places with the dummy. The porch camera was only used only once at the end. Its placement was extremely convenient. How could the killer have known the daughter would crawl out the back door? But the most compelling argument of all was the simplest. Why? Why would someone go for the trouble of hiding several cameras in a family's house, secretly living in their attic, only to drug them, murder them, then send the footage to a film distributor for public consumption. Despite these points, Goldhouse distributors removed Sunday Dinner from their catalogue and handed all extant copies over to the FBI. The ensuing investigation is still ongoing. The movie itself became a footnote in the history of exploitative schlock horror. But then, during an interview in 2010 on Tromavision, a podcast for horror movies from various genres, Brian Holdinger, an independent filmmaker, professed his fascination with Sunday Dinner. One of the hosts, an actress named Susan White, confessed a similar fascination. During the following discussion, they realised they had drastically different recollections of what happened in the film. To settle the debate, they agreed to bring in their copies and watch them together. They soon discovered that they both owned completely different copies. In Holdinger's, it's a mother who lives alone with her two daughters. All three are drugged, butchered, then boiled alive. In White, it's an elderly couple who live all alone. They are buried in a pit in their basement as they scream. It wasn't until January of this year that they started finding bodies. Wow. What a crazy... Oh, God. 
Hippo fucking kills it. <laughs> and it, this is one of those things where, like, I want to express how cool these ideas are and how some of the movies mentioned would be interesting to watch, but I don't want people to think I'm, like, a crazy, creepy person. I just really like horror. It's a little Darnell trait not many people know about me. So I find this, like, infinitely fascinating. And this is honestly... Like, I was just expecting some funny ha-has laughing at kooky people, and I'm sure that's what Pear Watch is for the most part. But, like, these more, like, chilling, like, horror-esque written tales are... Oh, they are, like... Oh, they're so good right now. I, I know I'm not interrupting as much, but I'm just really enjoying these. Yes. <laughs> so I don't, I, I'm getting enthralled. Hippo fucking... And, and even more impressive to me, to, to stroke Hippo off further here, He we already knew he was a good writer, and, and we he had some spooky elements in Counting Station and, and, like, the SCP one, but they were really more about, like, the shock and the thrill aspect to me than, like, this, like flying sense of horror so to see him do this kind of different style of horror so well i think just speaks to i i guess maybe you could say all the ones we read aside from monopoly were kind of horror but you know what i mean just the general like breath of tones he can manage to mm. do well uh is really, yeah, really cool keep, keep right. i'm gonna up. give this one a yeah uh wait what'd you say what you said something but i didn't quite make i it said keep say. that suction up <laughs> oh, I'm gonna. I know, I know. I swear, we don't do this with all our guests, though. We d- did enjoy having all our guests. I just—he's such a good writer. <laughs> like, it's like, why did I start a podcast with him? You know, I mean, what? Um. <laughs> anyway, I'm giving this one a 12 out of 10. That's so, really good. In the last 30 uh, seconds, I've changed my plans for the episode because these aren't taking as long as I expected. So we've got a new yeah, The one. rest of this podcast is a snuff episode where Tan kills me. <laughs> so we've actually got one <laughs> a, 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 a one from a deleted account here. Uh, a story now. Oh, this sounds like the opening it, for it a Paramount account- post. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, was the deleted account like to add effect or was it just like the user isn't on the wiki uh, anymore? user isn't on the wiki anymore. <laughs> if you do Fair know who enough. wrote this, please leave in the comments. And I'll uh, edit the description to credit them yes. properly. Yeah, we, we always want to try and credit authors as best we can, but there are people who delete their accounts on the wiki and we can't be sure. And even in the beginning when we read some of the oldest ones, you mentioned that, like, for example, I saw a lot of, was it Dexanote or someone? And you were like, no, this was probably someone else, but the admin ported it over here. Mm. Right? Yeah. Was it Dexanote? There was, like, some admin that ported a bunch of them over. Um, but we always try our best to credit authors. So if you know, and if that person wants to be known, please let us know and we'll immediately put it in the description. But otherwise, uh, I guess we'll just vibe. But anyway, what is this article? You haven't linked it to me yet. This one's called I-Man. I-Man. Okay. <laughs> that picture. Our new co-host. You be eyeing me, though. <laughs> All right. And this is by Sergeant Bones, which is a sick name, also in 2012 in universe. This is the longest one yet. Wow. Mm. And this is by... Oh, account deleted. Yeah, I've been this. We just had a whole conversation about that. Look, I'm not smart, and I'm also extremely sleep-deprived, so bear with me. <laughs> okay, hit, uh, spin us off, I guess. So, the original trilogy of Star Wars films spawned one of the most dedicated and passionate fan bases of all time. That's a word for it. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> Patchy has about to say <laughs> We had the same thought. <laughs> And what sets this particular pack of nerds apart from the others is the borderline obsessive documenting and cataloging of every extra or background character who appears on screen. Every character, regardless of screen time or plot relevance, has earned themselves a name, a fictional backstory, and sometimes, if the divine is visually intriguing enough, an action figure. But there's one character you won't find on a Wikipedia page, priced exorbitantly high in a collector's guide, all lurking in the background. And if you do, God help you. Aye, man. <laughs> 
is a name unfamiliar to even the most knowledgeable of Star Wars fans. Mention it to the small collective who are aware of Iron Man's non-existence. Watch as their faces light up up with a unique mixture of passion, weariness, and fear. Each account is as personal as the next, but every one of them is laced with a bitter sense of self-doubt, delivered with the cadence of a wizened storyteller telling a story for the thousandth time. Iron Man is the name given to a background character who supposedly appears in the original theatrical cut of the 1983 film Return of the Jedi. That's that's the first one in the original trilogy I want to say because fucking another thing I hate about Star Wars is every time you say the first film people are like oh the prequel no I mean oh, the no. fucking the first one that oh, came no. out what it's not the Return of the Jedi is the third film okay it, that's what I wanted to check because they all have the same name in my opinion no a new hope is not Return of the Jedi yeah dude when there's like nine of them in like a million series and spinoff movies they all sound the fucking same they're all hope revenge. Fucking come back, strike back. They're all the same. These are different right. words that you're using. I'm about to piss off our entire Star Wars fans. I I don't even hate Star Wars. I just okay. So personal, personal He's Darnell trivia. Um, He's about to I'm up. I'm the third. I'm I'm the third child in my family. So by the time you mean by the I, first, I was by like the prequel. <laughs> No, the third. So by the time I was growing up, a lot of the movies and like shit that everyone sees, my parents had already seen twice with my sisters, and they simply decided it wasn't important enough. So I didn't watch Star Wars until my last year of high school. And like, yeah, it's cool, I guess, but I guess I don't have the same level of nostalgia for it. And it feels like everyone knows infinitely more about it than me, and they always get upset with me, but I just don't care about it that much. Uh, And it seems like everyone else in the world does. So... I have a very that so there's my perspective. So please don't give me your angry comments about how I'm the worst guy ever because I don't care about Star Wars. This co-host is fucked. <laughs> anyway, sorry. My point is, it was the third movie, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, so that's the one where where they kill Palpatine or kill in quotes Palpatine. Yeah, somehow Palpatine has returned. Yeah, I'm back! Anyway, that's not what this is about. His design is consistent. A large, muscle-bound cyclops covered in hair in a burlap sack. Compared to other extras in the Jabba's palace sequence, Iman is uncharacteristically simple. He's not a puppet or an elaborate animatronic, nor does he sport the colourful and imaginative design motifs of other panel stanizens. By all means, Iman is out of place, and rightfully so, because Iman does not exist. Every Iron Man account starts out the same. A young boy between the ages of 5 to 9 watches Return of the Jedi in theatres after months of anticipation. They enjoy the film, but become particularly vested in the various aliens and creatures inhabiting Jabba's palace, specifically the Cyclops. The roles that Iron Man supposedly fills in the film vary between accounts, but only add to the intrigue of this mythology. Some claim he only stood in the background alongside other extras, with brief focus shots like the ones given to other extras. Other members are seen, others remember a scene where Iron Man accosts protocol droid C-3PO, who is acting as Jabba the Hutt's translator. Iron Man proceeds to brutally dismember C-3PO as Jabba and the Palestinians cheer uh-huh. on, some catching pieces of the droid's plating that fly through the air as the Cyclops continues his assault. No, no worries, that can't be canon, because he's in the new ones. The alien takes time to chew on the droid's wires before unceremoniously ripping C-3PO's head off of his mouth and swallowing. This lasts for an extended not canon. Not canon. This lasts for an extended <laughs> period of time with no musical score and is never referenced again. The film proceeds as normal, with C3PO apparently being reconstructed by the next scene as if nothing happens. Oh. <laughs> I guess it is canon then, never uh, mind. If you look on Wikipedia, you can see it, C3PO was killed when he came back. It would actually be very cool if this if Iman was on Wikipedia after this <laughs> article. 
In the weeks that follow, witnesses become fixated on the creature, with Iron Man receiving the same fearful curiosity children often exhibit towards movie monsters. But that would soon change. Attempts to bring up the scurry Cyclops and Jabba's palace to peers, even ones that were present at the same showing, result in confusion. Accounts detailing the C-3PO scene are laughed off the playground, and Iron Man witnesses learn to not talk about the secret obsession. If I, I mean, if I saw a C-3PO get fucking murdered by a Cyclops, I'd talk about it. <laughs> yeah, right? This guy sounds based. Witnesses draw pictures of Iron Man, incorporate the creature into their play sessions, and open every pack of tra- Ops trading card, hoping to get a glimpse of their one-eyed muse in the same way they had other background characters. As time goes on, Iron Man creeps into their subconscious, usually in the back of their minds and always in their dreams. No one ever forgets the dreams. Oh, base Iron Man's a nestic question mark? The progression of an Iron Man dream varies between accounts, but certain attributes remain consistent. They take place in a dark and seemingly infinite location, like a forest or a basement. There's a nauseating sense of fear and dread. Other children are present. Simple actions like walking or running become near impossible. Limbs feeling like they're tied to cinder blocks. Iron Man is always present, hiding behind trees, doors, or in the background. The children explore the dream world with Iron Man never far behind. When a child draws verbal attention to the stalking Cyclops, the creature will lunge out and devour the child before returning to the shadows. This happens for what feels like hours. Upon awakening, it's never like, it's like they never fell asleep. These dreams occur repeatedly for months, every single night. During the day, Iron Man becomes an omnipresent background character in their life, hiding in the dark corners of a room or under the bed. But they remind themselves that he isn't real, that Iron Man is just a guy in a costume or a puppet, and then they fall asleep. For most Iron Man accounts, that's where the story ends. After hundreds of vivid, lifelike nightmares, Iron Man suddenly disappears. They don't think about Iron Man for decades before stumbling on a forest post, foreign post about identifying the Cyclops from Star Wars. It all comes flooding back. One foreign post built upon another. From website to website, witnesses began connecting with each other and forming tightly knit private communities and chat rooms to discuss the phenomenon. See, what's interesting is you can almost attribute something like this to, say, like the Mandela effect phenomenon, mm. if it weren't for like the, the such of a visceral scene of like the dismantling C-3PO. If it didn't go that far with it, like, and it was just a background character, I could totally see that being like a real rumor going around. Yeah. If you know where to look, you'll find them. If you post about Iban, they'll find you. No consensus has ever been reached through these discussions, nor any evidence of Iban's existence found. All that remains are the harrowing stories told by an Asian user base on a private IRC server, and that's all there ever will be. When it comes to Iban, closure is not an option. But I was never satisfied with that. My story is different, and for the first time, I will tell it. Where I branch off from other witnesses is that I saw something tangible. My history with Iron Man is, as far as I could tell, entirely unique to myself. I never saw Jedi. In See now, now it's the you. story. Now the story. Oh God, God, you scared me. <laughs> I was trying to say something. You Iron Man. Me. Okay, why'd you shout at me like that when I'm like immersed in a horror story? That's mean. Um. Anyway, I was saying this is where the story starts to take an interesting turn now, right? Because you know, Para Watch canonically is like a bunch of kooky people who often spread misinformation, don't know what they're talking about. And Iron Man has already built itself as an interesting, maybe plausible, but doesn't sound realistic thing. So now we have two different ways we can interpret this story. Now that he's like, my account is different. We have the way that like this is truly like the next progression of the story and it goes deeper. Or we have the, this is just some guy on the internet trying to stand out and be unique 
and uh, spread more rumors and bullshit, you know? Yeah. And you can, depending on how the story goes, maybe one way will be more solidified than the other. But it's interesting that you have a totally, based on the kind of reader you are or what you want to think about, you have totally different branches on how you read the tone of what comes next. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's pretty neat. I never saw Jedi Invaders, just like Darnell. I saw it on Laserdisc in 1986, and I can assure you there was no Iron Man. Now, for context, Star Wars was well on its way out in 1986. People had moved on, kids especially, and the thought of any new content seemed like a pipe dream. This, however, was great news for me, because that meant all the toys were on deep discount. Every Saturday, I go... There was ever a time when Star Wars wasn't, like, constantly in the public knowledge? Between the original and the prequels, I guess. Oh, yeah. Every Saturday, I go to the toy store and pick two figures from the giant bin of unsold Star Wars toys. This worked out conveniently well for both me and my notoriously cheap parents. Regardless, I was happy. But one Saturday, as I sifted around the bin like usual, examining the car backs and trying to decide whether I needed another stormtrooper, something caught my eye. It was a figure I had never seen before, and I was pretty certain I'd see them all. You'd probably guess by now. It was I-Man, staring at me in his three foot seventy-five... No, not three foot. <laughs> no, 3.75 inches. <laughs> three foot. Imagine <laughs> Just That'd be as tall that's as the, the kid That's himself. the real I-Man. <laughs> you found I'm me. I-Man noises. Why does he sound like the little misters? <laughs> nah, it was Mr. I from Doctor Wondertainment. Now, as any avid Star Wars collector will tell you, an action figure of a random no-name background character is a pretty common occurrence, so seeing a character I wasn't particularly familiar with wasn't anything new. For every Luke Skywalker, there was a squid head or a walrus man. But this figure was different. He unnerved me. From the photo on the card back, he looked like he was from Jabba's Palace. And while I had a particular affinity for hot goons, I, I just couldn't bring myself to buy him. He was way too creepy, and quite frankly, I didn't need that in my toy box. I picked up another Stormtrooper and headed out. As soon as I got out of the store, I began thinking about I-Man. In fact, he scared me so much I debated never watching Return of the Jedi again, in fear that the one-eyed bastard would be staring at me from the corner of my screen. Nonetheless, my fears were alleviated when I went back the next Saturday and I-Man was nowhere to be seen. I breathed a sigh of relief and didn't think about my one-week boogeyman for 20 years. That's right, no dreams, nothing, I simply forgot about him. Then I saw a post on a sci-fi from that made my jaw drop. A user was asking about the Cyclops from Jabba's Palace, and the entirety of the thread had it out for this guy. Pages and pages of arguing that there was no Cyclops in Jabba's Palace, while OP insisted there was. It came flooding back to me. The store, the figure, the fear. I jumped in and vehemently defended OP, flashing my nerd cred by mentioning that the Cyclops was named I-Man, and Kenner made into a toy in the final years of the line. Another user blatantly told me I was wrong, and obviously confusing Pruneface for this non-existing I-Man character. I told him Who's they were wrong. Face? Is that like know. another famous Star Wars character? Yeah, also known as Han Solo. Pruneface is oh, he's he's I, I found him. Uh, he he's a guy with an eye patch. Uh. <laughs> he's just a no-name background character with an eye patch. I told him they were wrong, but when multiple users began telling me this figure didn't exist, I decided to do my own research. I must have scoured every collecting fan site on the internet. I looked over the official Kenner checklist hundreds of times. No Iman. I then assumed a figure from another toy well, I might have ended up in the Star Wars bin and my faulty memory filled in the details, but no. There was no toy that resembled what I saw that day. A couple of days later, I got a PM on a sci-fi forum inviting me to a private chat room. I told my story and the rest is history. 
That was six years ago. Since then, I've been fascinated with Iron Man and the tightly knit community that sprung up around him. There were only a couple hundred of us, but we had become pretty close. Iron Man, being an exhausted topic, became less and less of a focus over time. Sounds the indoctrination of a new member to our little clan. We got to know each that other. Kinda, that kind of, that kind of, that's kind of interesting because it that that's kind of how communities work a lot. Yeah, it's like they spring up around a fandom or an idea, and then they kind of move on from it. We got to know each other, talking about our lives, our families, hobbies, whatever. We were friends, and as cliched as it sounds, the Iron Man community was like a second family. All of us were nerds in one way or another, so it shouldn't come out as a surprise that even Iron Man himself was given an irony-tinged lining as time went on. Iron Man memes? The embodiment of childhood fear and uncertainty that hung over our heads like a one-eyed Damocles did to little more than a calling card. His presence immortalised us on hashtag Where's Iron Man? Coffee mugs and t-shirts. I even received a custom Iron Man action figure who looked as terrifying as I remember him. The next step for any community like this would logically be a meetup. That's right. The Iron Man family decided, fandom decided we'd get together at one of the largest Star Wars conventions. I was ecstatic. It was only a two-hour drive, and I would finally get the chance to meet the people I'd been talking to for the better half of a decade. I got to the convention and immediately began searching what? for the hall that we what, wanted out. What, what the fuck did you do to that word? Dekai! You butchered it! <laughs> Boy, you want to go to the Dakites? 2010, bruv. Oh, mate. Don't play that off like that was British. No, every British person right now is looking at you. You're sus as hell. <laughs> a large sign saying, Two eyes only, please, was stationed out. That'd be fucked up if someone had an eye patch. <laughs> yeah. That, wow, ableist. Get fucked. <laughs> I entered, expecting the same light-hearted atmosphere and banter from the chat room to carry over, but I was dead wrong. Nothing could prepare me for how quiet the room was. Around 40 people simply staring at each other. Some were aimlessly pacing and others engaged in hushed conversation around the corner. I found our organiser and asked what was happening. What he told me felt like a punch to the gut from Iron Man himself. A few people recognised each other. Forest. Basement. Convention hall. From the dreams. That's terrifying because it mentioned... Well, the, the reason that's so terrifying, Tan, is remember they mentioned if someone said his name, he ate them. So there were probably kids that died. Oh, If God. that's real, is the implication. <laughs> that's a really good fucking story. Sorry that your account was deleted and I don't know who you are, but upvote... Deleted by Iron Man. Pretty good. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give that one an uh, uh, 11 out of... No, I'll give it a 10 out of 10. I liked it. With strong points for personal attachment. That was pretty good. Um, yeah. So, is that all, or do you have any more for me? Um, let's do one more. Because we're only 45 minutes in. Okay. Do you mind if I get... Do you mind if I get some more water real sure. quick? Because I brought a tiny cup like a dum-dum. Sure. You don't need awesome to... You, you don't need to cut this out, Edison, because I'm actually, um... I'm actually quite, um... Lucid. I can speak quite well. I can speak. I'm... Trying to think of funny things to say to continue the podcast, but uh, I can't think of anything actually. It's very strange, actually. I'm just sort of these words are coming out of my mouth, but they might as well be randomly generated. Like talk to Transformer. This is just there's no logic dictating um, what I'm saying here. It's just sort of random. There's nothing. There's nothing here. There's an illusion of something called Tandy, the vaguest impression, but he simply does not exist. <laughs> Oh, hello. Do you know, uh, my legs are, like, super sore from work. So it, like, hurts to get up and sit down. Sorry. 
Uh, okay, what's the next one you got for me, buddy? I'm having a good time. The final one we have for today is called Michael the Killer by Pastor Astor. I gotta say, again, again, I understand a lot of these are conspiracy theories, which also kind of adds to the interest factor of, like, how many of these are just, like, you know, uh, fucking SCP Wiki's version of of uh, No Sleep, but just, like, posted to the SCP Wiki instead of Creepypasta for whatever reason. Um, but... Uh, it's it's just a really interesting note because because like the hub and f- from what you showed me before painted as like you know just a bunch of Hoosiers or hobos like kind of uh, like making up bullshit but like these kind of really interesting spooky stories are very captivating to me. Well, I have one last one. Um, Michael the Killer. Awesome. By Pastor Astor. <laughs> oh fuck off! <laughs> I was just like, wow, what is the fucking immersive? And then you just sent me the Jeff the Killer ripoff. That might not be what it is. I just assumed from the name. <laughs> Let's get into it. This is this from Headache Manager. In 2013. Michael the Killer. Michael was a kid who wore a grey hoodie and had a very sad look on his face every day because the kids at school always bullied him. They always took his books and pushed him on the ground and kicked his face and they kids are very, very mean to him. He has bruises on his face, and everyone made fun of the bruises on his face. Uh, actually, it's every, ever Owen. Yeah, sorry. The only way he felt alive was when he drew. He drawed every day and every night, and he never stopped because he loved to draw. He loved drawing skeletons, zombies, demons, and monsters. He also loved Creepypasta so, so much. His favorites were Ben Drowned and Laughing Jack and Slenderman and Sonic.exe. One day he was drawing, and then a mean bully went up to his desk and took his papers and turned it... Up. It was at that moment that he had enough of the mean bullies and took his pencil and stabbed the bully in eyeball. There was blood everywhere. The bully screams, but Michael didn't curt. He took out his secret knife and stabbed it into the bully's <laughs> chest and then killed him. I am God, he said. It was that moment he went crazy insane and his eyes went black with white pupils and he started laughing. The cops were called and he didn't even curse. So he tried killing the cops, but the cops had a gun, so they shot him and blood went everywhere. He is dead and he now is ghost. So if you see drawings on the walls and hear scary music, your end is near. Riss is my back... Uh, written, you are. Yes, you are, end is near. Riss is my backstory. Please be nice. This reads like every original character that I had to fucking roleplay with when I was 15. <laughs> Rasta Master says, the hell? What is this garbage? Headache Manager says, it's my backstory. I worked very hard on it, so please don't be mean. This place isn't for your shitty fan fiction. Ugh. And the one who has no gun says, this is obviously a troll post. I am not a troll. I hate trolls. Ugh. Face palms. And, I f- and Coca-Cola says, I thought I was a bad writer. Ugh. Also, isn't this place for IRL paranormal events slash conspiracy? Yeah, I don't know what this dumb kid is doing here. I scream and says, What is this? What is this shit, Lemayo? And Clockwork Anomaly says, Simply epic story, headache manager. <laughs> that, that would. <laughs> that's literally me if I was in this situation. <laughs> I would have said that shit. Oh, I love Clockwork Anomaly. That's my guy. Headache Manager says, Thanks, Anomaly. He actually liked my story, unlike you assholes. User was banned for this post. Rusty Lung says, Jesus, the things people do nowadays to get attention. Embarrassing. And the one who's no gun says, No kidding, I'm surprised people fell for this obvious troll. We get these people every week and they always fool newcomers. Fred Locked. 
Oh, but there's a new post from Rastermaster. Hello, idiots. It's me again. You. F- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Rastermaster was the guy that made fun of him last time. Uh-huh. You think you could stop me just by banning me? Think again. Now to tell more about Mikhail. Mikhail. Michael the Killer 2. Michael was a ghost now, and he was angry. He wanted to get back at all the blies that did him wrong. One day, while he was floating around and lacking around, he saw a man walking down the street, and he could tell from how he looked that he was a bully. Michael knew what to do then. He took his knife and dad then followed him home. When he entered his house, he sneaked up on him and then he turned to Ratnia and screamed, Ah! Michael tried stabbing him, but he missed and the bully said, Ah, don't hurt me! And Michael got even angrier when he said he that. So he grabbed a lamp from his table and then smashed it into his head and his skull went crack and there was blood everywhere. Mikhail started... Hell yeah. <laughs> started stabbing and stabbing the head until brain and skull parts went all over the place and then he started playing with the brain and skull parts fun and then he started laughing. <laughs> he decided to pretend the brain and skulls were like chess and he started playing chess with the part because he's so insane and crazy. That idiot deserved it, said Mikhail. Okay, finished. This is part two. Please be nice this time. I will stop if you be nice. Be nice, no trolling. I'm the one who... So they keep mentioning sock puppet accounts. I assume that means like alternate accounts. Yeah. But I... Rasta was the guy making fun of him before. Listen. Don't they realize that? Because there's like, I, from what I've gathered, there's like 12 users on this site. I'm the one who has no gun says, for God's sake, not a pop sock puppet account. Clockwork and Ollie says, yet another epic story by formerly headache manager. Clockwork, don't encourage him. I don't play with sock puppets. That is childish. What does this have to do with my story? Coca-Cola says, what if? Ooh, I haven't seen a troll use sock puppets of accounts around here before. This is a first, XD. I was surprised at first, but seeing how the account was created recently, and the first and last poster in the Michael thread, it's death of sock puppets. So does that mean, oh, so Rastamaster was an account that he, they're assuming he used to make fun of himself, and then, wait. Yeah. Okay, this is a confusing storyline. Rastamaster says, again, I am not a troll. I am not a sock puppet either. That's stupid Lol, look at his back with his shitty stories again. Ha 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 ha! Stop calling them shitty, you fucking asshole! I hope you fucking rot, you fucking bitch! Go kill yourself! No one would even care if you did it anyway, because all you did was sit on that computer all day! You lazy fat fuck, you're probably adopted and your parents hate you too, probably! User was banned for this post. Lucy looks says, Christ. Yeah. Ice Cream says, Jeez, King got butt hurt. And yeah, clockwork, no gun is right. You should stop responding positively to posts like this. I'm getting a feeling you're in on this. Lol, all right, I'll stop. Ice, new post. Ice Scream says, Grrr! Starts gritting teeth and clenching fists while Insanity sung by Miki and Kaito Wait, wasn't Ice Cream. Wasn't Ice Cream also in the fucking. Yeah. Uh, the one we read before? Yeah, you So, like, is it still Michael? Well, I see what this person says. Grrr! Starts gritting teeth and clenching fists while Insanity sung by Miki and Kaito from Brokeloid starts playing. (laughs) No, I mean, like, wasn't Ice Cream one of the accounts in the Broken Masquerade article we read? Might have been, yeah. Stop banning me! Seriously! Banning me is just showing how stupid and childish you bullies all are! Arrgh! Anyway, it's time for the next part of Michael the Killer. This one is even creepier and scarier than the second one. 
Michael the Killer free. The Wakening. <laughs> we also got a picture of Michael the Killer here as well. Michael killing a bully, it says. Oh, nice. After Michael was finished playing chess with the body of that one bully, he decides to look for more bullies to kill. So he walked around some more around the places and he found a house that he knew from the bottom of his heart that there was a very mean bully inside. So he went into there and stuck around from, like, in the second story. Remember that story? It was pretty crazy, LOL. And he found this bully he was looking for, (laughs) making some food. (laughs) I just love the idea that he's actually killing people. He's just, like, writing it in the shittiest way possible. And he found the bully he was looking for making some food on a pan, and the pan was sizzling with oils. Like, when Michael saw the pan sizzling, he had an idea. So he snuck up behind the bully, and he slammed his face into the boiling pan, and pulled his face back up from the pan, and threw him on the ground. He was screaming, his face skin looks like when you let a marshmallow in the heat for too long, but the brown parts are red instead of brown. And Michael thought that, so he took a bite out of the face and pulled skin off the flesh. You could see flesh and there was some bone too, which reminded Michael of the chest skull thing from Second Story, but he decided to do something different this time. He decided he decided to torture the bully, which is something he never tried before, but always wanted to do. So he looked for some kitchen stuff that would help him. He could hear the bully sobbing, which made him laugh. And then he noticed he was getting up, so she stepped on one of his legs and started stepping hard and hard. And then he took out his knife and stabbed at the foot a bunch, so he couldn't walk past it, walk on it. And there was so much blood that Michael slipped on it like a banana peel, XD. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, he got very impatient and decided his torture thing was too hard, so he wanted to kill the bully once and for all. So he started stabbing everywhere in the bully's body till the blood was a big, big pool and finally the bully stopped crying and was finally over after he stabbed the next seven times. Michael nice. really like <laughs> Michael really likes doing the killing and stuff because he's crazy and awesome, but he always felt very lonely doing it. And it's always felt like he only people he talks to is bullies and it makes him so sad, sad face. But maybe one day Michael will find a friend. So if you meet Michael on the street, maybe just be his friend and he won't hurt you. <laughs> is that how it ends with Clockwork Anomaly becoming his friend to save the wiki? <laughs> the end. That took so long to make, OMG. I worked really, really hard on this one, so please, please, please be nice this time for once. Fucking, I, 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 you know what? I gotta be real. Michael the Killer is still better than, better than Mario Blood Whistle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who has no guns as... You again? Seriously, you're so fucking boring, dude. Stop posting this crap. But Clockwork Anomaly says, Wait, hasn't Ice Cream been in this community for like seven months? Wait, what? Ice Cream says, I know what to do now. There's a bully that I have the most hate for. Oh, he's posted an image. Oh, got you, it says. <laughs> the one who has no guns is question mark. Rusty Lung says, That's my house. Oh, do you what? From Rusty Lunk, none of you guys were even a little bit nice to me. I'm done with this website. I'm going to the Creepypasta Wiki. Maybe they'll appreciate my hard work. Fuck off and die, cocksucking haters. Bye forever. What the fuck, says No Guns? And Clockwork Only says, if this is an ARG, this is actually really well done. <laughs> I was going to say! That's the thought I was getting. No good says, I swear to God it isn't. And Rusty Lung says, bye-bye, 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 bye-b
Okay, so it the very first discussion ever says it's from Pasta Rasta, and he says, I started this near Halloween, and now I'm finally finished with it. And he says it's his second attempt at writing something for the site, and I hope you... So is this by Pasta Rasta, maybe? Yeah, that's what I said. I thought... Oh, I got confused, because the... I was thinking of I Man because we were looking for the uh, the guy who 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 wrote it. Remember, yeah. we didn't know the account. I, I I got confused. I thought that that was this article. No, no there's no mystery here. Yeah. Pasta Rasta. Okay, that was fun. I like that. Uh, good stuff. This was a good episode. I liked this episode very much. Um, but we have a problem. What's the problem? So we do this thing called a comment reading, except we now have two different episodes with comments on them. Ah. Uh, so how are we going to do this? Are we going to read a couple from both, or are we just going to read the main episode ones? Or I'll do the main episode ones. Okay. Let me let me get my. Because we don't. We, there was, how would we a- even access the other timeline? What a thing to say. Okay, hang on. I'm I'm actually having a problem. What's your problem? You're going to need to give. Me, well, my Google seems to have frozen. Okay, so I have to reopen it. Technical difficulties. Um, What's What's wrong, guy? It's not not reopening. (laughs) Are you going to be okay? Are you going to die? I can't read the... I can't make Google work, guys. (laughs) I I don't know what to do right now. Um, Can we read them? I, I, I guess you have to. This feels so weird to have you do it, but I can't. My, my Google, and this isn't a bit. I can't. I don't know what the fuck's happening on my computer. My Google just instantaneously stopped working, and I can't fix it. T.D. Snyder says, amazing articles, and quite a good choice for the author being present. Now that I don't have a backlog for work, I must take time for discovering music. Uh, th- I left a little reply to that. Did you There's see always that? April Space, colon, upper arrow, close bracket. I think you like smash the keyboard at the end yeah. there or something. A mystery guy says week two of asking for SCP three thousand one to be cut. It will do it when I feel like it. All right, I got, I got, I got the thing that worked. Do you still want to read the comments or shall I? We've started now, so I guess I. We, this is bizarro comment section reading where it's me. All right. Comedy man Kelp says, "I like how we've reached the point where Darnell just doesn't care about how I'm mispronouncing the object class anymore." Also considering I don't the event- even notice anymore. <laughs> also considering the events of two four one nine, which I assume is laughing. Then that D class from the Monopoly SCP really looked out, didn't he? You know the the human mind sometimes blocks things out that it can't handle uh, for its own safety, and that's what my brain does for the mispronounced object class name. Psychotulu. Ling Lang oh. says, "Just so you know, Donald." I've read SCP-3352 Bethlehem Steel, and it does qualify for, as you say, epic. Would recommend a reading. We can't... We, we have to have a little break between hippo stories. Do we? Because I'm enjoying them thoroughly. This could just be the hippo podcast for all I fucking care. Wow. <laughs> also, kind of awkward that you've Wait. already covered multiple dark ways that the Foundation acquires amnestics. Considering one of my earliest... Wait, I guess- I know there. It's weird because I know in my head that there's like no canon and like anything's canon that you want it to be in SCP. But like, I usually tend to take the best written stories and assume those are the canon ones. So in my head, there's kind of a canon. Well, that's, um, that's exactly what but I guess that's the point. Yeah. What you're gonna feel kind of silly compared to the ones you've discovered. There's no shortage of origins. There's a lot of memories that gotta be wiped out. We can't have it from all one place. 
We simply need more amnestics. White Guard TC says, Darnell, you freaking out over how good Hippo stories are is definitely not surprising. Definitely one of the best writers our site has ever seen. I have never read a bad one by him. Exactly. And he'll exactly. Just... Unlike Tanhony who pumps out. No, 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 because there's more to the comment. He says, Tan, you demand. So you're, <laughs> so you're wrong. <laughs> but what about. <laughs> Alright. Grafly. Grafkly says, Greetings from Australia. Finally caught up on all the episodes. I've been listening to your podcast to and from work and has made the 40 minute trip enjoyable. I've also been enjoying discovering new music from your Waves playlist, now. Yeah, that's my playlist. I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy when I see people who've like, sort of caught up and they're saying that they enjoy the podcast. Like, Yeah, that, I was just going to say, that's like my favorite comment to read is people who are like, dude, I've been loving it. I just binged this. I'm like, hell yeah. Hope Welcome. we see you in the comments more. You didn't think I'd leave you behind, did you? We need more people to comment so we can not read a comedy man comment every episode. <laughs> Twisted GD says, Yo, sup, Tanny and Darnell. I have a single SCP recommendation today. The recommendation being Rounder House's 01 proposal. Maybe. I don't really have a theme for the episode, but trust me, it's really good. Also, wouldn't it be fun if we had a Rounder House episode soon? JK, unless Rounder House, is that you? Where is. I still haven't met Rounder House, but that's a name I see a lot. And I know they follow our uh, SCP, our DSCP Twitter account. That is okay. So that wasn't supposed to be defunct. I asked Tanhony to log into. I gave him the credentials, but he only updates about new episodes on his normal Twitter. <laughs> so it's an essentially defunct account. I occasionally tweet a funny there, but yeah, I don't have time to to manage it. So I've just kind of let Podbean post <laughs> shit <laughs> over and over. But uh, I know I know that Rounder House follows our DSCP Twitter. Uh, and I know that they, I think, is it Rounder House or someone? No, it's a random day in Kirby that have the other podcast, right? Yeah. The only other podcast. Okay. Yeah. Well, are there more? I don't fucking know. So Dino Tiles says, hey, Shy Boy and Darnell, why should you call me Shy Boy? Oh, fuck, because no. Because remember, I, I, I told them that, you, I told them, because you didn't invite Hippo, even though I asked you. I had to do it again. I don't remember that way. He... I do. I remember. I remember. I said, "All right, are you going to do it this time? I'm going to call you out in the episode." And you're like, "Yeah." And then I was like, "All right, fine. Just give me the name." And you instantaneously gave me the name to do it for you. That is what I remember. Well, that's one interpretation of events. Everyone has their own truth in this world. <laughs> Everyone has their own canon in this world. You know, it's just well, the um, truth is fluid. Mine has more upvotes. <laughs> Okay. So, my SCP recommendations is SCP-4321, The Montauk House. If we do that, that'll be its own fucking episode. And probably... Uh, Is that related to Project Montauk, I assume? It would be... We might not do that one, to be honest, just because of the sort of darker content in that. Content. Uh, Yeah, not... Just to to be clear, that's not necessarily things we stray uh, away from, but to an extent, there are things that, you know, we don't really want to read, especially considering our audience has, like, minors and stuff. Uh, not that not that that doesn't mean we're not ever going to read things with like darker themes, but like to an extent, there like remember that part of the bright proposal we skipped that I don't need to say out loud. Like they're they're like just, limits. Just, I don't want to read that you shit. Know? I yeah, don't want it, fair enough. If I'm the one reading it in a podcast format, it's like I am the one bringing it into existence. It seems like in the moment. Yeah, yeah. No, that's totally fine. I respect you for it. I but I, I, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up with audiences. Tan, I always am going to only do what Tan feels comfortable doing. But that is not to say that we won't ever do anything dark. But just like you know, you know what I mean, there are limits. 
So SCP-4118 tuba dinos and SCP-4054 at the seventh door. That is another one that's very reliant on images. So I'll think about that. I don't know. I don't know if that is one we would, would do in the podcast. The last image one traumatized me because I'm not good at. Con- we mocked like, you publicly. All the audience interpreted. Yeah, you know how bad that felt. I was just a neurodivergent getting bullied for like 15 minutes on a stream because I couldn't put together the pictures in my head. Uh, never again. I know that that's a cool SCP for a lot of people, and I agree retroactively it was cool, but that was a horrible experience. I never want to replicate. It's, uh, not, it's not exactly the same, it's just a, that a lot of the experience is through okay. images. Okay, so, okay. that's probably something that. I can handle a little <laughs> bit not. better. Two, my theme recommendation yeah. is the Department of Abnormalities. I'm very excited to get to that. I'll try and get that to that as soon as possible. I'll I, try I and reach know out he's to excited Captain's. because I don't know how many of you newer fans know this, but Tan already did a video on it that I can't watch because of podcast reasons. But So I don't know the extent to which it's covered. But I do know Tan has told me, I was about to say out of character, like it's a fucking roleplay, out of, out of the podcast that it's one of his favorite things. And I know he has a video about it on the channel, so I assume we'll get to it eventually. Yeah. Uh, Maybe next week, who knows? Not showing me that. I would want to get Kat to on as a guest when we do that, though. <laughs> But 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 um, just to, if you're interested, there is a video on our channel. I don't know the exact length and quality it goes into, but it's look a that up. Minutes, you so it's like very something. very brief. Three. Since yeah. when did a hippopotamus learn how to write? <laughs> Four. Wait, someone's copied my <laughs> format. Well, it looks like there's an imposter among us. Nice one. <laughs> I love the way you read that. Looks like there's an imposter among us. And that's how it's spelled. I just read it as it's spelled. Thift-esque no, says, no. but is it 2nd of February or February 2nd? <laughs> nice one. Chrysanthus I says, thought you said the 5th. I thought you read the last guy's username as the 5th dead for a second, like, fucking 8th roll space. I was like, what? Chrysanthus says, the first two I already read and were fantastic. Never realized they were made by the same guy. Kudos to the great hippo. I don't let those typos go, unfortunately. I will search for more of his SCPs in the future. The Monopoly one was stupidly funny. I enjoyed it way more than I should. P.S. I can actually write and say verisimilitude in three different languages. I can't say it in one, so there you go. So, do I get a cookie or something? Chocolate <laughs> chips, no raisins, please? You'll get what you deserve. <laughs> you're way funnier at reading comments than me. I should just let you do this shit. You're way better at it. You're, you're witty. Quaker Button Nose 128 says, I wonder if there'll be a guest next week, too. No! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Michael was here. He was in the video. Comedy Man Kelp replies that saying, I heard about the guy who wrote the Among Us SCP. An, an anomalous writer <laughs> says, Versimilitude is the best spelling. No, sorry. Versimilitude is the best spelling. No one can convince me otherwise. P.S. Relate like the concept on 2419. Thanks, man. <laughs> I didn't That's write it. <laughs> We're laughing, man, I think. <laughs> I'll accept no. that, thank you. Why does the laughing men sound familiar? Is that that we, weirdo we, one we, we, we read about, like, the guy who who did the game show? No, he read it last week. It was with Hippo. It's the one with the guys coming out of the incinerator. Oh, that's called The Laughing Men. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good article. Sorry, I don't often remember the article names and numbers. I, I remember the Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you remember Laugh is Fun, I think. It's the one you were talking about there. Yeah, that's, that's what I got confused for, Laugh is Fun. Um, yeah, that was a really good tale. I that's still my favorite uh, piece on the wiki right now. Oh, God, that's amazing. It's just good. All right, it's good. Like, I, I don't have anything else to say about it. It's just good. Hippo's a good writer, okay? And I hope he notices me. Blushed emoji. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> listening to another devilish podcast episode. <laughs>
devilish. Though know, reading Michael the Killer kind of low key made me want to do another like shitty creepy pasta episode like we did for Halloween. I thought that'd be really fun. But this time with a hundred percent less audio problems. Thank you so much for uh, listening and reading and sticking around, everyone. Yeah. Uh, really if you space. if you leave a comment, if you even just watch, even if you're a lurker, if you just watch our content, we appreciate you're you so infinitely, much. You're infinitely ten times more based than the the person next to you, whoever that happens. Average to be. PewDiePie fan, average discovering SCP enjoyer. <laughs> Oh god, my computer's walking out. I should probably end this recording quick before I lose all the data. Okay, uh, bye. Bye! Bye!